Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we have a preview of USA versus Colombia, an international pair of friendlies. And we've got two special guests with us to preview these matches. Before we get into everything, a quick reminder to hit subscribe on YouTube for NWSL Extended Highlights, exclusive interviews, our live recaps, and so much more. YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. Subscribe. It helps us out big time here at A3. We want to welcome our first special guest, an Olympian and former Colombian forward co-founder of Kickoff Coffee, Melissa Ortiz. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Lisa. Uh, thank you for the invite. So great to be with you both here. First time. This is my debut on the Attacking Third, uh, which, by the way, I really do appreciate all the work that you guys do because... Uh, I remember there's been different previews that I've that I've either worked for, you know, on TV or stuff, and I've listened to your guys' previews uh, on, you know, Spotify or wherever. But yeah, so thank you for all the work that you do in the women's game, and it's uh, it's an honor to be here. Oh my gosh, that was so Aww. sweet, Melissa. Thank <laughs> you. Was, we were like chatting off mic before, and this like caught me by surprise. A little thank bit, you. Right? So sweet. We are we are so pumped to have you on here. Um, I I like follow you on Instagram. I've drank your coffee before. I'm like all over this side of the the soccer side of the world and the broadcaster yeah. side of the world. And when uh, you said you would come on, I was so hyped. I texted Sandra. I was like, we got Melissa. Yeah. Like, let's go. Let's talk yeah. soccer. Let's talk Colombian soccer. So thanks for joining us. We are hyped to talk about this. And we've got a pair of friendlies. Like, heck yeah. yeah. Uh, this is great. It's always nice to do this because I feel like for a lot of us in the space, like so many of us are maybe like mutuals and like we follow each other's work. But then like you finally get the opportunity to like yeah. sit and work and collaborate with each other. It's always nice when that kind of comes comes to fruition. We're here together because we're combining our United States Women's National Team Hour with the fact that they're going up against uh, Colombia. So let's just hop into it. Uh, friendly preview of these two matches. The uh, the games will be taking place uh, on June 25th and June 28th. The first happening on Saturday, June 25th in Commerce City, Colorado. Uh, Dick Sporting Good Park, 5.30 p.m. local time. Uh, and then the other on Tuesday, June 28th in Sandy, Utah, Rio Tinto Stadium at 8 p.m. local time. These are the final games for the United States before they enter uh, 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup qualification during the CONCACAF W Championship, which will be taking place right after these friendlies beginning on July 4th through the 18th in Monterrey, Mexico. And Colombia is going to get a chance to go up against the heavy hitter ahead 
ahead of their uh, Copa America. So a lot, to, a lot on the line, I think, for these two teams in terms of their preparation uh, going into uh, these these friendlies against each other. But a little bit about uh, Colombia for people who are unaware. They're currently ranked 26th in the world, ranked number two in South America in the Colombia Bowl Federation behind Brazil. And these are also their final uh, friendlies to get in before their World Cup qualifiers. Copa America uh, is going to be taking place July 8th through the 30th, and Colombia is hosting as well. So uh, it's going to be three nations that directly qualify with two going to the playoff tournament and an intercontinental confederation playoff uh, for spots in the 2023 World Cup. So there's a lot of excitement, I think, for both sides of the ball here with, uh, with these two teams going head-to-head. They've got Bigger things, bigger bigger things in their sights uh, down the line in terms of what comes after these two friendly. So, Melissa, I'm going to throw it to you because because you're our <laughs> guest here, and we're going to just start chatting a little bit about this. But this, it almost I want to ask you maybe. It sort of feels like I think on on paper when folks maybe look at the record between these two sides, they don't think of of a rivalry between mm-hmm. Colombia and between the United States just because it's uh, the U.S. kind of holds uh, the record there with with more wins. But this is going to be the ninth and tenth time that these two teams have played uh, each other in their respective programs histories. But not only that, it there's there's some. You know, there's a recent uh, rivalry, I think, in my head because it's like there's been some familiarity with these teams in probably closer to the last decade or so where there's been more opportunities for the two of them to to go head to head. And I I have to throw it to you first because within this record, it's a 7-0 and 1 record. And that means that there was a draw between these two teams. And it was during the 2016 Olympics. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Talk to us about uh, the mindset of a player, you know, on, on Colombia going up against the United States women's national team? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. I think for any player, if you're from Colombia, Mexico, even a European nation, to go up against the U.S. is, it's like a moment in your in your career that you always kind of dreamed about. Um, so, for instance, like in my experience, when I finally got the opportunity to play my first time against the U.S., it was in the 2012 Olympics. Um I came off the bench and I was just like, it was almost a dream come true to just touch the pitch amongst like all of these superstars that you've always watched your entire life. Right. So in terms of just the, the, the experience in itself, um, it's, it's, it's an incredible feeling. Now it hits reality when you're like, Oh crap. Like I got to play good. Cause this is my rival. <laughs> like my, these are my, my idols. Yeah. You know, or, or people or, or women that I've looked up to for so long in the footballing world. But holy crap, I got to flip the switch and I got to play because I'm playing to win. You know, like any athlete, you play to win. Uh, you go into tackles hard. You give it your all. And you obviously know that you're going against the, the, the best team in the world. But um, at the end of the day, you're representing your country and you're representing yourself and what you do on the pitch. So you kind of forget about all of that at the same time while you're in motion. Um, but for us and for Colombia, it's been a lot about maturity. Um, yeah. I, I, I got into the national team uh, in 2008, 2009. And the first time we played against the U.S., I will never forget how nervous we were, like completely nervous um, and just didn't know. Yes, we knew what to expect, but like it's it's it, it doesn't hit you until you're on the pitch. Like I mentioned, um, then it's just 
full on because everyone's so fast, so athletic. And yes, we we are also very good, despite the results of of, of seven zero and one against the U.S. Um, but with maturity, as I mentioned, over the past years, it's been more about cool how from each game playing against the top nation in the world, can we build off of it? Um, can we gain more confidence from each time we go against the U.S. Women's National Team? Yeah, we might lose some games 3-0. Yeah, there have been times where we have lost, I think, 6-0s in friendlies. Um, in times where, yeah, we were switching rotations and everything, but it's all been a learning experience for us. And I think most importantly, not just for the players, but for the Federation as well. Because mm-hmm. the Federation gets to see, how does U.S. soccer do these friendlies how do they treat their players how you know how does it work in the u.s and how you know women's equality and how soccer is uh in terms of supporting the women's side so for me it's more like okay cool that's one thing let's focus on our women's team and 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 learn and get a result but the other thing is we gotta we gotta teach our federation in colombia how to do things (laughs) yeah that's so true it's so interesting to think about how much um the players can learn playing against right like idols or superstars i loved hearing you talk about that um but then also for the federations to learn and for colombia to come to america and play in these facilities and sold out stadiums with u.s fans cheering it's definitely a bit of a like a change for them and for the u.s they're used to that being at home and doing that um so when they travel and for the CONCACAF W Championship going to Mexico and playing those games in uh, packed stadiums not full of Americans, it's a bit of a shock to them. It's like almost that learning curve. Um, Melissa, you mentioned how it was it was nerve wracking the first time, but it's having that maturity and that growth and that experience every single time you play a, a different nation or a different federation. And um, based on the record, seven zero and one, these teams have faced each other recently. However, most recently, the U.S. Uh, hosted Colombia right after the pandemic in January twenty twenty one in Orlando, Florida. There was a pair of friendlies there. Um, the U.S. Uh, won out on both of those friendlies, but it's almost a year and a half later, not even. And it, the same teams are playing at each other again. Now they're both friendly. So the competition and the excitement isn't necessarily there as it would be in an Olympic game or a World Cup qualifying game. But having Colombia and the United States play each other so close back to back with the two friendlies in January of 2021 and now again in June of 2022, is there a familiarity for the Colombians to say, uh, the, this is the team we're going against and and we just did this, like we just played them a year and a half ago, like now you have more familiarity going into it uh, for this upcoming pair of friendlies? Yeah, I think there definitely is a familiarity that you mentioned, although I think both teams have had some some major changes, uh, a lot of young youth players. So it will be another moment for these youth players to perhaps share that that nerve wracking feeling of <laughs> their system before going to play a, a big tournament. Um, but I do. Well, two things I want to touch upon is one, the rivalry and two, the last um, match days that the U.S. and Colombia played off against. We'll start with the rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's not forget um, in the Olympics was it, it was 2012. I think the rivalry started when <laughs> Lady Andrade, one of my former teammates, punched yeah sucker yep. punch Abby Wambach <laughs> in the face, uh, which because they were going at it all game. Yeah. You, know, she, you know, Abby was was elbowing Lady and and yada 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 and back and forth. And I mean, <laughs> that was a crazy moment uh, to happen especially on the world stage so i think 
that's what 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 created this rivalry because yeah. I believe soon after that um, there was a friendly or, or there was I think the next cycle there was a World Cup where we faced off against the USA again and it, there was that rivalry yeah. um, and I remember I mean some of these players that played in in, in the pro leagues took it to heart uh, with some of my teammates and they're like yeah your teammate punched my team in the you know <laughs> uh, so that's where the, the rivalry kind of started. Oh, Although, you know, U.S. is obviously the, the favor to win, um, there's always still going to be that, 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 that thing there, you know, especially yeah. the veterans. The veterans. Uh, now, in terms of the last match day in two, early 2021, that was coming right off the pandemic. You said, like, yeah. the, the timeout completely, no, no camps, yeah. nothing. And my teammates uh, on the Columbia national team arrived to Orlando, I believe it was. And uh, I think like six or eight of them tested positive at that point, like day of the game. And so it was a, it was, it was a big mess internally um, on, you know, who starts the changes, tactics, everything. So, I mean, it's the learning curve. I think that a a lot of these teams have gone through because of COVID and because of the pandemic, which brings us to where we are today of having a versatile squad and mm-hmm. you know bringing in youth players to see okay you know if this is what happened a year ago how can we learn from this and you know really utilize not only our veterans but new players in so that we can keep on growing um our national team and, and for what's to come in this in this upcoming generation you know I'm, I'm with you on that i like hearing about um sort of framing it that way in terms of the, the new faces because that's something that kind of caught my attention as well. Like, yes, we're talking about going up. Uh, there's two teams that are going head to head that just face each other in, in 2021. But even from, from January, 2021 to now uh, there's been, there's, you can actually kind of argue that there's going to be, there's new faces rotated in on both sides of, of yeah. the picture. Um, you know, a huge player that's not going to be available for the U.S. side of things that went up against Colombia in January 2021 was was Sam Mewis and Crystal Dunn. These are two players who had like key roles in those games back then that are unavailable and, and we not saw part of these friendlies. Kat Macario get her made her and debut for the U.S. Right. scored her first goal. There's the list is incredibly long of U.S. players: Sam Mewis, Carly Lloyd, yes. Lynn Williams, Julie Yurtz, Doll Camper, Crystal Dunn, Macario, Krieger, Harris. They were all on that roster. Not, not going to be part of this this round of friendlies. So I just like I'm very curious to sort of see what the dynamic is going to be on the pitch between these because yeah. even though there is maybe that recent familiarity for folks who are watching as an audience or fans or pundits or whoever um, that maybe might not be the case between players on, on the pitch. So I'm excited to maybe uh, see, see that kind of uh, play out uh, a little bit. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's let, let's maybe with that let's let's try to get into to the rosters right now uh, for 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 Colombia going into into this game. When we're looking at this this roster in front of us, this the 2022 version of this this rivalry now, the new next chapter. Uh, for you, Melissa, what are, what are some players to watch? You know, maybe some players that you think that that audiences should perhaps keep an eye on uh, on the pitch between these two friendlies. Like uh, like a true Colombian form, uh, our midfield is usually our strongest. Um, you know, it goes back even to the men's side where, you know, back in the day, El Pibe was, was the 10, the creative player, where similarly, I think part of our culture and our tactic, uh, we we share that similarity uh, in, our, in our play. Our key player is Catalina Uzme, who is a veteran player, a uh, good friend of mine. And right now she plays for America um, in Cali in the Colombian Women's Pro League. Surprisingly, she's one of the top players who actually hasn't played overseas. She wanted to stay in Colombia and help be part of the, the Colombian Pro League and, and, and be a major uh, part of it. And so what she can provide is just, one, leadership. Uh, two, she's super technical. She's a lefty, but also incredible with her right foot. So she uses both feet, uh, able to switch the point of attack very easily. Um, her shots are wicked. This is the player that during the 2016 Olympics against the U.S. Women's National Team uh, scored the, the two goals against Hope Solo when Hope Solo, one fumbled one of the free kicks in between her legs, and the other one was a gol olimpico, which is a mm-hmm. the, the corner kick. Yep. So this was that player. And, you know, I, I understand that those were goalkeeping mistakes, but uh, this is how she is, though, even from outside of the box. She's able to whip shots uh, from, from far. So Catalina Uzme is definitely one of the key players to watch out for in the midfield. Uh, another one is Lacey Santos, who plays for Atletico de Madrid. And she also in the midfield, but she'll also be able to provide uh, a more quick and uh, in in attacking style of play. While as Uzma, yeah, she's 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 able to be creative and, and hold the ball with with her strength. Lacey is more of the quick quicker player, um, yeah. able to distribute quickly, get involved in the attack with with the nine. Um, so Lacey Santos is 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 definitely one of the most, I guess, the the top figure on on the team for sure uh, at the moment. Um, in the midfield, we also have Daniela Montoya, who's a veteran. Um, she sits back a little bit more defensively. Liana Salazar also a midfielder. Now I think um, the one striker to really look out for, and she's our, our promise is Linda Caicedo. Um, you'll see her. She's, she's, she's petite, but fast up, up top. Um, she's, I believe she must be at this point, 18 years old. She's very young, but she has been making strides in the Colombian women's league. Uh, one of the top goal scorers alongside Catalina Uzme. And I, unfortunately, I had already retired before being able to play with Linda. But from what I hear from my friends and my teammates, playing with Linda is, is incredible. I mean, she has so much future. So they'll definitely be putting her into the rotation. Uh, lastly, I think in terms of uh, goalkeeping, it will be probably up to Sandra Sepulveda, mm-hmm. who's usually our, 
our most capped goalkeeper uh, who we've seen in World Cups and Olympics. It'll be either her or Catalina Perez, who played in the last, uh, I believe she played in the last friendlies, but she's also been uh, one of the top goalies. I, she she was in and out of injury over the past year or two, but I think towards the end of her her campaign in the last Spanish league, uh, she started playing again. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting, though, just like the U.S. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of youth players, even players that are still playing in youth club that have been called up. Uh, two Colombian-Americans, uh, similar to myself, uh, one that is playing in the second division in Spain and has been in and out of the Colombian national team over the past year or two. And then another one who is, is still in the club level, but just signed uh, to start in, I think, this August for Arizona. So she's young. Yeah, name drop them. Name drop them, Melissa. Whoa, 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 I got it. It's Alexa. Alexa is the one that's playing in Spain. Alexa yes. Bar, she's playing in Spain for Racing de and Santander. And Angela. then Angela Baron, um, and she plays for Kick Soccer Club uh, in the USA, a youth soccer club. But it's going to be an incredible experience for her to be so young. And uh, whether she plays or not, I mean, wow, this this for her is going to be a, a moment in her career that she'll always remember. Um, especially getting in early. This is this is a fantastic way to develop players. But we could touch more on, on what this friendly means too for, for Colombia, which is crazy to, to, in my opinion, to schedule against the U.S. before the Copa America. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into that, um, I love all these names that you mentioned. And, and thanks for running through all of those, especially the Colombian Americans, giving them a shout out. There's a lot of young names, right? A lot of young talent on this Colombian roster. So to give them this type of experience going up against the United States and in the United States playing these friendlies, that's huge. And that helps shape them. Um, but there's a lot of names missing on this roster that um, a, a lot of fans are surprised about as myself when this roster came out, I was definitely surprised about that. So let's talk about some of the names that aren't on this roster uh, because it's been a topic of conversation and transition in the United States. States going from the veterans and and their leadership to this newer, younger generation. But with Colombia, um, Melissa, for you, which are the biggest names that are not on this roster? Definitely the, the top two names is one, Natalia Gaitan, who has been the captain in and out uh, for since 2005, I believe. Uh, she was, or, or, or later, she was 15 years old when she joined the national team. And, and she has always been the leader, even during my time. Um, and she was one of the captains for Sevilla over the past year and has been at Sevilla. Before that, she was five years at Valencia. Um, she's the type of player that should be on the squad. Ask me why? I don't know. Um, the other one is Isabella Echeverri, who was also a captain at Sevilla. Uh, right now is not uh, renewing her contract. Right now is in, in trying to, well, they're negotiating to see what team she'll be going to uh, and what league. But this is another player who has played in the World Cup, in the Olympics, uh, played in here in the U.S. at the university level, and then went off to Spain to play professionally. That's surprising. And I say this to all of you that are listening, that it's surprising because the press keeps on putting it on Twitter as well in Colombia. You know, where are these two players? Actually, there's two more that are missing. Uh, one is Yoreli Rincon, who plays for Sampdoria in Italy. And she also has been a veteran for very many years. And... Uh, <sighs> It, I feel like there's a lot of political reasons behind this and why mm -hmm. these players aren't being called up. I don't think they can, I don't think the staff of the Federation is able to supply an actual legitimate response as to why they're not 
being called to play in these friendlies in preparation for the Copa America, our World Cup qualifying tournament. And then lastly, uh, Vanessa Cordova's uh, goalkeeper played in Mexico in this last season. Very good. Um, yeah, she definitely should be on the roster as well. But again, like we also have good goalkeepers. So it's it's like in any camp in making any roster, it's always going to be a challenge. The competition is always is, is tough. But yeah, these players are, are surprising, especially, especially Gaitan, Echeverri, yeah. and, and Rincón. Well, so what is the press saying in Colombia for those that aren't uh, keyed in on that on Twitter? They just keep saying, oh, why aren't these players playing? Mm-hmm. And they keep saying what is in Spanish, vetadas, so vetadas, which in English, uh, we're trying to figure out their translation for the, <laughs> the show, but it's something like, I don't know if it's like, uh, not not banned. It's like time uh, out. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they're on, yeah, in time on out. punishment, maybe. Yeah. Like, we were like, Melissa and I were like, how would we like translate this into English? But I, I guess maybe like perhaps we thought yeah. maybe like on punishment, it could be like mm-hmm. kind of something like that. And it's unfortunate, you know. I, I, I just, I think, um, you have to bring attention to that because of the type of games that these are, you know. And it's on the one hand, it's like, oh, it's, it's a pair of friendlies during a June international window, sure, but. It's a pair of games against, for at least for Colombia side of things, it's a pair of games against the number one ranked team in the world. So that's a huge opportunity right there. And then number two, it's it's a pair of friendlies before the next, the qualification. It's the Copa America. It's it's huge. Yeah. Uh, so it's like you have to bring attention to this. So I don't, you know, I, you have to give credit here to, to those in the media in Colombia who are trying to, bring this up or, or talk about it a little bit because it's it should be something that people are taking notice of yeah. and especially when you're talking about the caliber of players like you're making note of melissa the fact that it is somebody like Gaiton who's been a part of this squad for a very long time for perhaps i think for a lot of people maybe the face at one point um yeah. and to not sort of have that leadership and that experience and talent quite frankly um as part of these types of games or going into copa america it, it's at putting it politely it's curious it's quite curious i guess is the polite way uh to put it so i uh i it's unfortunate to sort of imagine that these type of players are perhaps being you know on punishment still i guess is the english way we're putting it um and uh, i would hope that in something like a Copa America or past that, you know, it, you know, you punch, say Colombia punches their ticket to the World Cup that you start, the, these players can start being integrated back yeah. into, back into the program and back yeah. into the system. And, and you mentioned punishment and I imagine a lot of listeners are like, well, punishment for what? Well, um, this is, this is speculation because we can never say why they're not being called up. Is it because of the, you know, changing up the roster? Is it because of passing the torch from veterans to the youth? Who knows? But you know, it's a little bit uh, obvious in a way that in 2019, when we spoke up against the Federation, um, these were key players in the movement against the Federation that literally swept swept them off their feet uh, and, and, and exposed the truth to many wrongdoings that they had been doing for many years. And it could be that now, you know, we fast forward just a few years later that they could be potentially paying the price for it. You know, and yeah. again, this is speculating, but... This happens in many federations, and we look at Mexico with Charlene Corral, uh, who is obviously yeah. the top goal scorer of all Mexican league right now, and she's not yeah. getting called up to the national team. So uh, there's a lot of political ties that go on, unfortunately, and I just feel 
terribly, terribly sad for my teammates that are not able to be part of such a monumental moment of hosting a Copa America at home in Colombia after so many, I mean, decade of being on the team. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a a conversation that probably needs to be had at a higher level. And if it ever happens, I hope it does. But it is is kind of what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. And just thinking like in the lens of this game too, I know for... It's, we're talking about like players getting the opportunity to go up against the United States, but there's also an opportunity here to be seen. You know, there's an there's an opportunity here for to be looked at by by large audiences in in you know in the United States, and with that comes you know potential opportunities for for new highlights in their in their reels for for scouting potential. You know, there's all these other things that come with facing the United States women's national team if you're coming from a, another federation into the United States playing up against this team and uh, when you sort of couple all those things together with the fact that we're talking about that there are certain big players who are not going to be part of this roster it's uh, it's it's it, it's sort of uh, it could be detrimental I think for them for, for their careers and it's it's unfortunate to sort of uh, you know that we're still talking about this in 20. 20- 22 you know it's uh it's, it's baffling for for me so i appreciate you sort of uh talking with us talking us through it <laughs> right now yeah. because it's 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 probably uncomfortable for some people to know that you know there for for our listeners who are we talk a lot about the mm-hmm. united states national team and we're talking about things like you know equality and pay and like a new contract yeah. and things like that those are things that we're celebrating on attacking third and then it's like oh here's an episode where, where it's like actually there's some Things that are still going on in other federations yeah. and other women's teams. So thank you for sort of talking with us and talking uh, through this. So let me ask you this then. Maybe it's unfair to do this, but you're. I want to. I want to bring it up anyway. Well, the last time these two teams played, uh, there were heavier scorelines. They went from a four-zero to a six-zero. Sepulveda had a big game stopping a lot of things. I know people are like 4-0, that's a huge scoreline, but it actually could have been um yeah. could have been worse, believe it or not. I you know, it's you, you, I'm thinking back to that to that game where she came up with a ton uh, of saves. It's, yes, Samuel's got a you know, a hat trick and and stuff like that, but you know, facing 22 shots, 11 on target and Sepulveda was there. It's hard to imagine that could have you know, been a much higher scoreline. So, um I want to ask if you, with the team being in camp, do you think that we're going to see similar score lines? Do you think maybe we might see something more narrow? What's what's your opinion or what's your take on this team? Put me on the spot on this one. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, there's so many change-ups, um, especially on the women's, U.S. women's national team yeah. side, uh, that it will be, I think it will start out as a more level-headed game. Um, but I think that this will be a bigger learning curve for, for the U.S. and I mean, sorry, for Colombia uh, and all of the new players on the Colombian squad. And to go up against the number one team in the world just speaks of itself. And, you know, I'll, I, I will obviously be rooting 100% for Colombia because that's, 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 that's me. Um, but I, I know that it will be an incredible challenge uh, to keep the the score card in zero, you know, to keep the, yeah. the net in zero in Spanish, el gol, el, el arco en cero, the goal in, in zero. So it'll be an incredible challenge, especially with players that are, have had an incredible season so far in the NWSL and, and even in Europe on the U.S. Women's National Team. I mean, they go, when you play the U.S., you know, they go full out. You know, it's like a, it's like a one-way road, a highway, and you're really – 
running and defending for your life. Um, which brings me to the question, why schedule a, a game like this against the U.S. Women's National Team in preparation for Copa America when, you know, the only really bigger, uh, somewhat similar, but not similar nation that they'll face off against at potentially at some point is Brazil. Um, mm-hmm. But apart from that, I would, I would have expected uh, an opponent to be scheduled that would be similar to the way that other South American nations play, whether it would be to schedule a game against Costa Rica or Mexico or who, you know. Um, so it's surprising me, this, this type of friendly. But again, every friendly is a learning opportunity. And I think the, the scoreline, yeah, U.S. will be expected to score. But don't sleep on Colombia. Um, right. many, people, many people have slept on Colombia in the past. And I know our record against the U.S. women's national team isn't exactly in favor with 7-0-1. But, you know, they slept on us in yeah. the Olympics and we ended up tying. Yeah. Uh, they slept on us during the World Cup in 2015 and we ended up beating France, who were potentially the top team in the world at that time. So, yeah, yeah uh, don't sleep on us. Don't sleep yep. on Colombia. You uh, heard right it here. Like- don't sleep on Colombia. I love yeah. that. <laughs> no, I love that too. Especially like in big moments like this, you come out mm-hmm. and you come out and you come ready to play um, in these yeah. types of games. And I love that Colombia is that kind of kind of team. They bring it when when the stage gets really bright. They're not intimidated by that. And that's one of the that's one of always my, my biggest things that I love about about watching um, this team. So I'm very excited to sort of see these two friendlies and how they go. Uh, but before we dip out, um, I've been drinking my beverages as always during attacking third and. My mug here. I got to ask you about uh, drinking a kickoff a coffee. Are you going to be drinking any during these games? And uh, let, let let our audiences know where they can get some kickoff coffee of their own. Absolutely. I'll actually be on the broadcast uh, as analyst during this match uh, out of L.A. on Fox. So maybe I'll just have this mug there. <laughs> Football and coffee on it. Uh, but, yeah, this is Kickoff Coffee Co., uh, a coffee brand that I co-founded about a year and a half ago. And it's coffee around soccer so it's like the two things that everybody loves especially those that are listening most likely um but yeah you could find us on www.kickoffcoffeeco.com or on instagram kickoff coffee co essentially we bridge the two cultures of coffee and football or coffee and soccer together using top quality uh specialty grade coffee uh, whether it's ground or whole beans shipped directly to your door uh, and then the most beautiful part about it is that we donate 10% of our coffee profits to soccer foundations around the world that use soccer as a tool for social development. So uh, we have uh, quite a few offerings in terms of coffee bags. So make sure you you check us out and um, would love for you guys to, to also try our, our incredible coffee. I have it right here. I'm drinking. Um, yeah. Well, our what's your favorite? What's your favorite one that you guys oh, brew? Man. So we have one that the, we have the Colombian coffee, which is mm-hmm. delicious. But surprisingly, I'm obsessed with our Peruvian single origin one, which is called Match Day. Do I have the bag here? Yeah. And the, all the drawings are pretty sick. So this is the drawing of the bag. So it's like a father figure or mentor uh, walking a little girl or daughter into a stadium. So it's all, all these like imageries. It's very inspiring. Uh, we mm-hmm. just did a collaboration with Common Goal as well. Um, and we're donating a, the 10% to the anti-racist project. And it's, it's just, it's a, it's a dream come true to have a coffee brand that's around soccer that has a give back portion. I feel it's just like three passions all combined in one, 
incredibly delicious cup of coffee. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, I love that. That is amazing. Okay, fine. I'm a it. coffee obsessive person. I love coffee. So I've got to ask, how do you brew your coffee? Are you a French press, drip coffee? What do you do? Yeah, so this one that I that I brewed this morning was a French press. Um, nice. I, I like to switch it up. You know, I, I do a pour over sometimes if I have a little mm-hmm. bit more time. Um, this French press is just like easy, you know, use a scale, set the timer or whatever. Um, but cause it's summer, I loved brewing my own, uh, cold brew at home. Yes. So I'll brew, I'll, I mean, I'll grind a bunch of beans and just put it in this gallon, uh, mason jar that I have. And then obviously pour the water in there and let it brew for 24 hours. I've really been loving the cold brew this summer, um, which we're like looking to try to develop some type of cold brew offering, uh, at home, cold oh, brew cool. something kit at some point, but yeah, it takes a lot of time, obviously, like any startup, uh, we have some really cool investor, uh, not investors, sorry, advisors involved looking for investors at some point. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's really been such a an incredible experience becoming like this entrepreneur alongside my co-founders who is my brother and his wife. Uh, we've bootstrapped this, put our, put in our savings in this baby and We've uh, gone with it and, and dancing away. So hopefully it'll bring us to some cool soccer coffee vibes in the future. Oh, I love that. So kickoffcoffeeco.com. Get yourself a cup. Yeah, everybody. Go ahead and get yourself a cup. Get ready to watch Colombia as they face off against the United States. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us and chatting all things Colombian soccer. Thank you so much to our listeners. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. We're also available as videos. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. If you have questions for us, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, and we'll answer it during the mailbag segment. And we'll be back with the USA preview of the United States international team friendly versus Colombia for Sandra Herrera, Lisa Roman, and Melissa Ortiz. This was attacking third. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.